The media play propagandists for Hamas. Seattle passes the Amazon tax and the Trump administration cracks down on leakers. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Oh man, so much news to get to today. But first I wanna let you know, The Ben Shapiro Show, if you missed it, we're headed to a live venue. This August, I'm recording my podcast live in Dallas and Phoenix, and you'll be able to see me in person and join in an audience Q&A. And we'll also be doing a special VIP event beforehand with them signing a meet and greet for 200 super fans. So visit dailywire.com slash events for more information. Pre-sale tickets actually are on sale today at 10 a.m. local time. So if you're a Daily Wire premium subscriber, you get access to seats until May 17th at 10 p.m. And that's when general admission go on sale and tickets will run out fast. If you're not a subscriber, this is indeed the best time to subscribe so you can get one of these tickets in advance. Again, visit dailywire.com slash events for more info. That's dailywire.com slash events for more info in August. Dallas and Phoenix, be there, be square, dailywire.com slash events and subscribe so you can get those early tickets. And we can meet, we can hang out. It'll be, we'll be best friends. It'll just be awesome. Now, as I say, there's lots of news. There's lots of news breaking. But before I get to any of that news, first I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at ZipRecruiter. So, your business needs better employees. How do I know? Because you are a business and all businesses need better employees. Well, if you are seeking to upgrade your existing employee base or if you're just looking for a new hire, ZipRecruiter is the place for you. They learn what you're looking for. They identify people with the right experience and they invite them to apply to your job. These invitations have actually revolutionized how you can find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. We use ZipRecruiter here at The Daily Wire when we're looking for new folks or when we're looking to get rid of particular producers. Don't sleep too easy, guys. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Use that Daily Wire so they know we sent you. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Make sure that you go and check them out. And again, use that slash Daily Wire so you can try them for free. The best way to find your new employee. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. All right. So the media are awful. They are awful. Now, I've been highly critical of the phrase fake news because I feel like it's overused. I think there are a lot of people out there who use the phrase fake news to mean news I don't like. But what we have seen over the past 48 hours has been absolutely fake news from the mainstream media who are just parroting lines from Hamas. At this point, they are just parroting lines from one of the world's worst terror groups. It is obvious and it is disgusting. Really horrifying. I mean, it's nothing new. In 2014, I was on CNN in the middle of the Gaza war and I actually told the CNN anchor to her face that Hamas was in fact a propaganda wing of, uh, that CNN was a propaganda wing of Hamas. Because it was clear at that time when they were claiming that Israel was indiscriminately targeting civilians, even as Hamas was hiding its headquarters under a hospital and hiding weapons in mosques and schools. See, Hamas has a, has a certain goal. Their goal is to make headlines. They know they're never going to be able to defeat Israel in any military fashion. And they also know that Israel has no interest in going into the Gaza Strip again and deposing them because then Israel has to run the place and they don't want to do that. So Hamas has it kind of easy. All they have to do is make sure their own population doesn't rebel against them. And the way to do that is by attacking Israel every so often and getting a lot of glowing press from the world. And the world is happy to give that glowing press because the world despises Israel for the same reason that the world despises America. They see Israel as a colonizing power in the Middle East, even though the history of Israel shows that the Jews have been there continuously for 3,000 years. No, according to the left, Israel is a colonial imperialist power in the Middle East, stomping its boot all over the faces of the people who were there before. That is historically inaccurate, but that is the story that is told by folks on the left wing. And so anytime they can say that Israel is acting illegitimately, they will do that. And that's exactly what they have been doing over the past 48 hours. So first, I wanna start with this headline from the New York Daily News. So the New York Daily News, this is uh, 15. The New York Daily News 
put up put out this headline. This was their front page today. This is a blood libel. Okay, for people who don't know what the blood libel is, a blood libel is the old anti-Semitic canard that Jews kill Christian children and then use their blood in Passover matzahs. It was used as a as a an excuse to murder Jews in pogroms for legitimately centuries. And that's what this is right here, this daily news cover. Because the idea here is that the Jews are just happy to kill non-Jews. That's the idea. So here's what it says. It's a picture of Ivanka Trump looking very pretty. She was there at the dedication of the new U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem. She's dressed to the nines. And the picture is her gesturing to her, to her left. Okay, And what she was actually gesturing to was a placard that is on the building that says, dedicated by U.S. President Donald Trump. Okay, But the Daily News has put a picture over that. And the picture they've put over that is a picture of some wounded Palestinian being dragged away by other Palestinians. And then in giant headline, it says, Daddy's Little Ghoul. Daddy's Little Ghoul. So it's Ivanka Trump's fault that Hamas has now put up thousands of people to storm the Israeli border in an attempt to get people killed specifically so the media will cover it this way. So it says, Daddy's Little Ghoul, 55 slaughtered in Gaza, but Ivanka all smiles at Jerusalem Embassy unveil. F you, Daily News. F you. I mean, this is a blood libel. It is. It's, it's, it's saying Ivanka Trump, who is Jewish, Ivanka, just like all those other Jews, look at her. She doesn't care if Palestinians get killed. She doesn't care if innocents are, are having their bloodshed. She doesn't care about any of those things. And that's what's happening. If you look at the media coverage today, it is all that. It's all, look at these innocent Palestinians being slaughtered wholesale by the Uden. It's just terrible. How could the Jews do something quite so awful? Now, you're getting this routine from Stephen Colbert, right? So here's Stephen Colbert mocking Donald and Ivanka and Jared Kushner, also Jewish, over the Jerusalem embassy opening. Now, the president couldn't be there himself because, you know, the angry people. So (laughs) instead, he sent Peace Treaty Barbie and Collusion Ken. Jared. Jared explained that the embassy was good for peace. When there is peace in this region... We will look back upon this day and remember that the journey to peace started with a strong America recognizing the truth. Okay, well, oh, isn't that funny? Because he's got, they're making fun of his high voice by piping in somebody with a higher voice. Oh, it's so funny. The entire media yesterday <clears throat> was putting this stuff on split screen. They were putting on split screen the situation in Jerusalem with the situation in Gaza. Now, let's be real about the situation in Gaza. Hamas has organized for weeks these riots at the border in an attempt dramatically to create footage that they can then use as an excuse to claim that Israel is the great oppressor in the Middle East. It is it is produced. It is created. This is not a spontaneous uprising. It's not a spontaneous peaceful protest. This is, in fact, a series of riots directed at invading the Israeli border. And this isn't just me saying this, okay? This is top members of Hamas. Hamas is the government in the Gaza Strip. Notice, you notice that yesterday, amidst all of this chaos on the Gaza Strip, there was nothing happening in, uh, in Judea and Samaria, in the West Bank. Nothing. Palestinian Authority, they weren't doing this. So there was nobody at the border. Nothing was happening. In Jordan, nothing was happening. In Egypt, nothing was happening. In Saudi Arabia, nothing was happening. In Iran, nothing was happening. In Syria, nothing was happening. In Lebanon, nothing was happening. Which suggests that maybe this was being produced for the cameras by Hamas. How do I know that it was being produced by the cameras, uh, for the cameras by Hamas? Well, because the Palestinians have been saying this, because Hamas has been saying this. So, for example, let me show you, let me play for you a video of Hamas leader Yahya Sinwar. Okay, this is from early April. It's April 6th. Okay, I'm going to translate. I have the translation in front of me from memory. Okay, here is Yahya Sinwar, who is the head of Hamas in, in the Gaza Strip. He's the governor. He's the guy who's the head of the government there. He says, we have come out today and we will come out also in the next few days. Our people and our boys will surprise the entire world with what they have in store. Let them wait for our big push. 
We will take down the border with Israel and we will tear out their hearts from their bodies. Peaceful protest, guys. It's just a peaceful protest. And if you point out that Hamas is a violent terrorist group and that the people of the Gaza Strip elected Hamas in 2006 to lead them, this is impolitic. You can't mention this. This is a bunch of women and children and babies who are sitting peacefully and then the Israelis started shooting them if you pay attention to the mainstream media coverage. By the way, it's not just Yahya Sinwar. This was yesterday, a Hamas official on Al Jazeera explaining that these were not peaceful protests. These are not peaceful protests. This is from Al Jazeera Network, a senior Hamas official named Mahmoud Al-Zahar. Again, I'll read you the translation. It says, when you have weapons that are being wielded by men who are able to prevent the strongest army in the region from entering the Gaza Strip for 51 days, and were able to capture or kill soldiers of that army. Is this really peaceful resistance? This is not peaceful resistance. Me saying this. Has the option of armed struggle diminished? Is it again a Hamas official? No. On the contrary, it is growing and developing. That's clear. So when we talk about peaceful resistance, we are deceiving the public. <laughs> This is peaceful resistance bolstered by a military force and by security agencies and enjoying tremendous popular support. Okay, so Hamas is very obvious about what they're doing, folks. They're not hiding the ball here. The media are actively complicit in this anti-Israel blood libel, in this anti-Jewish blood libel. Okay, they are actively complicit at this point in what amounts to a blood libel against Jews, suggesting that Jews are indiscriminately shooting people en masse. It is a lie. It is not true. Okay, here is tape of Palestinians attempting to breach the border fence. Israel has been dropping leaflets all over Gaza saying, do not try to approach the border fence or you will be shot. That's because they've been using the border fence, trying to break through the border fence in order to kill Jews. Yesterday, they were saying openly, there were Palestinians who were telling the press openly what their goal was. It was so funny. The press was trying to say, well, you guys don't really mean any of this stuff, right? You don't really mean any of this stuff. On NPR, one of the NPR anchors asked a Gazan with a kite with a swastika on it why he was flying a kite with a swastika on it. And he said, the Jews go crazy when you mention Hitler. So Steve Inskeep, who's the anchor, he said, he asked if he knows the Israelis are using the swastikas to discredit Gazans, right? So, uh, the, so NPR trying to change the story into, well, you know, they're selectively choosing your kite with the swastika. You know, that's, that's what they're doing here. So what does the Gazan say? He says, it's what we mean. We want them to burn. They're not being subtle. There's no subtlety here. Okay, the Gaza Strip is filled with people who want Israel destroyed and want to kill Jews. Okay, and those people have elected people in the Hamas government in order to do just that. If they don't like what's going on in the Gaza Strip, well, they're supposedly supposed to have elections. Now, there are a lot of people who are peace-loving, I'm sure, in the Gaza Strip, but not the people who are approaching the border yesterday. Those are not people who are interested in peace, and they're certainly interested in being used as human shields by Hamas. There is no question that this is what Hamas is doing. They've admitted this. Okay, you can see that these guys are, are bringing sandbags toward the border wall. And now you see this guy, this kid. They're sending out kids and teenagers to bring tires to the border wall and then burn the tires as a distraction, as a smokescreen. And then you can see all these guys hiding behind the hill. They've been trying to go up to the border fence with bolt cutters and trying to cut through the border fence. This is one of the things that they've been doing. Also, Israel had experienced yesterday a serious problem. Okay, does this look like peaceful protest to you? It's not peaceful protest. You see these giant clouds of black smoke that are coming from tire fires that are being used to obscure the terrorist activities of people along the border. Hey, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, they tweeted out, they tweeted out tape of yesterday a shooting attack on Israeli forces. You're told that Israel was firing on unarmed people. 
The IDF tweeted out yesterday afternoon, the IDF received intelligence that Hamas operatives were preparing to cross through the security fence from northern Gaza. IDF special forces arrived at the scene and eight armed terrorists hurled pipe bombs and grenades at the soldiers and the security fence. And they've made the tape available for anyone to look at online. But we're being told by the media that Israel is the real problem here. Israel obviously is the serious issue. Okay, all of this is just nonsense. It's just nonsense. And I have more evidence that it's nonsense in just one second. First, I want to say thanks to new sponsors. Okay, our new sponsors are the folks over at Betterment. So I'm a person who has a financial advisor. I have a financial advisor because I'm not the person who wants to sit there and check through my investments and try to figure out what's a good investment, what's a bad investment. Also, just like anyone else, I have a tendency to overreact to market conditions. Well, this is why you need a professional investment advisor who is going to make sure that your best interests are taken into account. Betterment is the largest online financial advisor designed to help customers build wealth plan for retirement, achieve their financial goals. And it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg to have a financial advisor now. They have low fees. Hidden costs are nowhere to be found at Betterment. No matter who you are or how much money you invest, you get everything for one low transparent management fee. So they're not making money off of you, you know, trading in a bunch of your stock. Instead, you're paying one low transparent management fee. The advice is in your best interest. They are your fiduciary, which means they make recommendations in your best interest. They're not incentivized to sell certain funds. They're not trying to sell you on anything. This isn't one of those boiler room movies. These are folks who are there to advise you on the best investments to make. And they don't make money off of selling all of these recommended funds. Then they have tools to help you understand how you're doing as well. They offer personalized advice, a suite of tools to help you know whether you're on track to hit your investing goals or get the retirement you want. And when you need it, their tools and guidance can help you get on track. Now, listen, investing involves risk. But one of the ways to help mitigate that risk is by working with an investment advisor. And the folks over at Betterment do a really great job. The Ben Shapiro Show listeners right now can get up to, can get up to one year of, managed, of management for free. Up to one year of management for free. For more information, visit Betterment.com slash Shapiro. That's Betterment.com slash Shapiro. Again, Betterment.com slash Shapiro. There's a reason that you should be looking at Betterment. There's a reason you should have a financial advisor. I have one. You should have one too. Betterment.com slash Shapiro. And you can get up to one year managed for free. So again, Betterment.com slash Shapiro. Use that slash Shapiro so they know that we sent you. Okay, so again, all of the evidence is that Hamas is using human shields, that Hamas is attempting to create headlines, and they're doing just that. They're doing just that. They're happy to do just that. Okay, according to the Israeli security agency, Yahya Aishli is a Hamas member arrested on April 29th. He told them that Hamas was instructing its activists to cut the fence, that they want their activity to be seen, quote, in the international media as a popular uprising and not as a violent action led by its militants, and that Hamas members are embedded in the general population for purposes of public relations. Another Palestinian terrorist captured by Israel said that, quote, Hamas militants in civilian clothes encourage children to try to cross the fence in order to steal IDF equipment. In other words, Hamas is using human shields. They're using women. They're using children. They're trying to breach the fence. Their plan here is that they, the, the operatives are not going to breach the fence. They're going to let women and children do it. And then they're going to rush through into Israel and attempt to kill as many Jews as possible. Never mind that Hamas has participated in an ongoing war with Israel since its election in 2006. They fought Israel in 2006, 2008, 2012, 2014, and now. Hey, never mind that. It must be the Israelis. It must be, the, it must be Ivanka Trump. This must be Ivanka Trump's fault. You know, before Ivanka Trump, none of this was happening. Before Ivanka Trump, it wasn't like Hamas was an evil terrorist group trying to kill people. It wasn't like they committed homicide bombings trying to murder people. No, no, they would never do anything like that. That would be crazy. They're nice people. They're really great. By the way, here's some, here's some, um, here's some of the protesters chanting death to America and death to the Zionists yesterday. Very nice people. That means death to America. It means death to the Zionists. Yeah, just charming, charming folks. By the way, 
Good indicator that you're not involved in normal protesting when you've got your face covered like that because you don't want the Israeli troops to know exactly who you are. Well, the White House did the right thing here. The White House said the Hamas is to blame. So here's Raj Shah from the White House doing the right thing. What a difference between the Trump administration, the Obama administration, the Obama administration constantly looking for an excuse to blame the only democracy in the Middle East for defending itself. But Raj Shah not doing that at the White House. Good for him. Well, we believe that, um, you know, Hamas is responsible for these for these uh, tragic deaths, that they're a uh, rather cynical um, exploitation of the situation. It is what is what's leading to these deaths. And uh, we want them to stop. And that obviously is true. Jared Kushner said the same thing yesterday at the Jerusalem embassy. Everybody was was aware that this is going on in Gaza. And Kushner said, listen, the people who are provoking violence are the problem. That would be Hamas. As we have seen from the protests of the last month and even today, those provoking violence are part of the problem and not part of the solution. So the Trump administration has its head screwed on straight. The media, of course, are happy to parrot whatever propaganda comes down the line. I'm going to show you some of that propaganda in just a second because it really is quite stunning. We'll begin with NBC's Peter Alexander. So Peter Alexander, he asks at the White House, does the U.S. approve of Israel killing Palestinians at will? Those are his words. Killing Palestinians at will. I will show you in a second that Israel is not killing Palestinians at will, but it doesn't matter. NBC thinks they are because NBC is a, is a is an awful outlet when it comes to its coverage of Israel. Uh, here is, again, Peter Alexander, White House reporter, questioning Raj Shah about Israel's activity. So to be clear, does the U.S. not agree with the French that Israeli authorities should exercise discretion and uh, restraint? We believe that Hamas is responsible for what's going on. So there's no responsibility beyond that on the Israeli authorities. Kill at will. What, what I'm saying is that we believe that Hamas, as an organization, is engaged in cynical action that's leading to these deaths. Kill at will? Kill at will. So apparently there have been about 60 people killed. Those statistics are being put out by Hamas, so you never know which ones are real and which ones are not. The same thing happened during the 2014 Gaza War when Hamas put out all sorts of statistics about numbers of civilians who are killed. It turned out the vast majority of the people who were killed were actually terrorists or terrorist associates. So here are some of the pictures of the people who were killed yesterday in Gaza. Okay, this is from Bjorn Stritzel, who's a reporter in the region. Gaza, first martyrdom pictures coming in. 10, were, 10 killed were members of Hamas's internal security apparatus. Why, it's so indiscriminate. It's just crazy. It's so indiscriminate. 60 people were killed and 10 were members of Hamas. Because I know that in America, if you shot 60 people indiscriminately, 10 would be members of a terrorist group, obviously. I mean, let's be real about this. If you were to just randomly mow down a bunch of people, clearly at least one-fifth, one-sixth of them would be actual terrorists. Maybe it's not that indiscriminate, gang. Islamic Jihad, by the way, three of them were members of Islamic Jihad as well. And they're still identifying some of the other folks. There are headlines yesterday about a woman whose baby died, an eight-month-old baby died, uh, after she was uh, after the area she was in had tear gas. Why are you bringing an eight-month-old baby to an area with tear gas? Why in the world would you do that? That's I I'm sorry. That's under any circumstance. That's evil. Okay, to, to bring an eight-month-old baby to a place where you know tear gas is going to be fired is the wrong thing to. Why would you endanger the life of your child to stand out there on behalf of Hamas? It's just crazy. But look how the media cover this stuff. Okay, again. Hamas does this for a living. This is their shtick. It's all for the cameras. It's legitimately all for the cameras. Okay, so there's there's tape that is going around today of a Palestinian doing, we, we see one of these pretty much every Gaza war, a Palestinian who's approaching the fence on crutches. And then the Israelis start targeting him and he puts down the crutches and he starts running as fast as possible. Okay, amazing. He's been cured. It's a miracle. Thank you, Jesus. He just did his crutches. He just threw them aside. It was a miracle. Or it turns out that this sort of stuff happens routinely because the Palestinians understand, Palestinian leadership understands the value of a picture. I remember 
about 10, 15 years ago during, I think it was the second intifada, there was a very famous thing where there was a, a march where a Hamas member was supposed to have died uh, and they were marching with his body. And then the body fell off of the stretcher and got up and started walking because the person wasn't dead at all. <laughs> they just knew the cameras were on them. This sort of stuff, this sort of staging happens routinely. It has been happening for 20 years in this particular area. The media don't want to cover any of this because the media want a narrative. And the, media, the, the media's narrative is this is all Trump's fault. Trump is creating the chaos, ignoring the fact that this has been going on for literally months at this point, years at this point. They want to make sure that Israel is seen as the perpetrator, even though Israel is not the perpetrator. Every country has to defend its border, particularly a country has to defend its border when Hamas is spending its spare cash and not just its spare cash, all of its cash, building terror tunnels, in, ter tunnels into Israel to kidnap Israeli children and Israeli soldiers and murder as many people as possible. But apparently Israel's the bad guy. Here's an MSC, MSNBC contributor, uh, Eddie Gloud, uh, who yesterday was was very upset about all the people dead in Gaza. While Donald Trump is doing this and may look for a deflection, it's not necessarily going to help the, the midterms. All of that's important, and all of those babies are dead. All of those people are dead. I... They're dead. And, and we're talking about racehorses. Uh, I mean, the politics. I mean, there are a lot of folks who are dead today. Okay, so why don't we talk about why all those folks are dead? Why don't we talk about why all those folks are dead? Instead, we're just going to shout over and over, those people are dead, and then point to the Jews who, again, have not been shooting anyone over there until the Palestinians decided they were going to rush the border. Okay, and they announced this in advance. This was all planned to pretend otherwise is a lie, and the media are lying to you. The New York Times is lying to you. Fareed Zachariah, these are, all these people are lying to you. They're lying to you when they say that this was spontaneous. They're lying to you when they say this is peaceful. It was not peaceful. It was not spontaneous. It was organized by Hamas with the explicit purpose of attempting to generate these sorts of headlines. And the New York Times, the worst of the bunch. Okay, I, I have to read you this, this New York Times headline. So the New York Times is now saying that the United Nations is condemning Israel. Ooh, the United Nations. Oh, the vaunted United Nations. The United Nations Human Rights Office issued a series of statements targeting the Israeli government. And of course, the New York Times immediately parroted them. They tweeted out a picture of a woman hugging her dead baby. Again, this is the baby that was killed by tear gas because this woman decided to obey the commands of Hamas and go hang out where tear gas was being fired. Genius. Uh, and uh, the New York Times tweets out, enough is enough. UN human rights officials said that Israel's use of lethal force against Palestinian demonstrators was unjustified and could amount to grave breaches of international law. And then they quote a bunch of people from the UN. Uh, they quote Rupert Colville, who's the spokesman for the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights. We condemn the appalling deadly violence in Gaza yesterday. We're extremely worried about what may happen later today. We urge maximum restraint. Enough is enough. Now, the New York Times won't tell you who is actually on the UN Human Rights Council. They won't actually tell you who's on it. Okay, it's 15 African states, 12 Asian states, five Eastern European states, 11 Latin American and Caribbean states, Western Europe and other states, 10. The African group is chaired by the representative from Morocco. The Asian group is chaired by the representative from Saudi Arabia. And the Eastern European group is chaired by the representative from Azerbaijan. So just a bunch of countries that love human rights. All three of those places are dictatorships, by the way. The UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Al Hussein, is a member of the Jordanian royal family. So they won't tell you any of these things. They won't tell you the Human Rights Council has, has issued 135 critical resolutions from 2006 to 2016, and 50% of them were directed at Israel. They won't tell you that in the New York Times. They'll just parrot all of the verbiage of the, New York of the, of the United Nations, suggesting that this was somehow a, a, a major statement about Israeli policy. Israel has not farted in the last 70 years without the UN condemning them. That is just the way the UN works. The UN, one third of the UN is staffed by the Organization of Islamic Countries, okay, which is like 58, 60 countries, all of whom disagree with the existence of the state of Israel to begin. The New York Times never reports that when they talk about the UN. 
Now, the UN is a vaunted organization. I, I love this from Fareed Zachariah as well, speaking of media bias. Fareed Zachariah trying to claim, of course, that the Jerusalem embassy move is what provoked everything that happened in Gaza. And he says that the embassy move was a major concession to Israel. It was a major concession with nothing in return. The irony of this statement is beyond words. It was a very non-strategic move, by which I mean to say Trump is supposed to be the master of the art of the deal. It's very rare to make a major concession to one side without getting something from the other. This has been a prize. Look, there are 86 countries that recognize Israel. All their embassies are in Tel Aviv. This is, an, this is a very big gift to Israel. You would normally imagine that if it were part of a larger strategic plan, you would ask the Israelis in return to do a certain number of things, settlement freezes, may, you know, whatever it is. Okay, I love this, that somehow we have to, the United States is supposed to use the movement of the embassy to Jerusalem as leverage against Israel. I don't remember Fareed Zachariah complaining too much about the Iran deal in which we handed over $150 billion to the Iranian government in exchange for nothing, in exchange for zero things, a promise that they would be nice. I don't remember Fareed Zachariah being quite that critical, but you acknowledge that Israel's capital is Israel's capital and that Jerusalem is sovereign Jewish territory and has been since its inception. And suddenly... And so and then we have to talk about real trade-offs here. We have to talk about the political expediency of moving the embassy to Jerusalem. The anti-Israel bias in the media is palpable. And we have to examine why that bias exists in the first place. I think that the bias exists for a couple of reasons. Number one, if you look at media coverage of Israel up till 1967, it was very strongly in favor of Israel. That was because the Jews were seen as the victims until 1967. So the media was very sympathetic to the, the plight of the Jews after the Holocaust. And they believed that Israel should become a state and Israel, should, Israel was a thriving country that was moving in the direction of socialism. In 1967, Israel not only defeats its enemies, but destroys its enemies. In the Six-Day War, Israel pushes Egypt all the way back to Cairo. Israel pushes into Jordan. Israel pushes into Syria. Israel pushes into Lebanon. It's an amazing military feat. Okay, all of that was, was incredible. And the, the left turns on Israel because now Israel is seen as the great victimizer. Suddenly, Israel is a westernized country that is moving toward the United States and not toward Russia. Now, it is, it is not a coincidence that the Russian government, the USSR government, began pushing pan-Arabism and alliance with, with Russia at the same time that the, West, the Western left began turning against Israel. This is not a giant coincidence. In 1967, the media turns against Israel, and they have never turned back. And today, the argument is that Israel is the great oppressor in the Middle East, even though Israel is the only liberal country in the Middle East, the only country where, frankly, Muslims can live in democracy in the Middle East. There is no other Muslim democracy in the Middle East. Israel is the best Muslim democracy in the Middle East, and it's a Jewish country. Right? Nobody else is voting. Israel has people sitting in its parliament who believe in the destruction of the state of Israel. That's how much of a democracy Israel is. But Israel is the bad guy. Right? Israel is the only place in the Middle East where gays and lesbians can live in peace. Israel is the only place in the Middle East where Christians can live in a relative amount of peace. Okay, Coptic Christians in Egypt are having a real rough time right now. Okay, in Israel, you're doing just fine if you're Christian. And yet Israel is the target. And Israel's the target because, again, Western civilization, according to members of the hard left, is a bad thing that has created oppression. It's created an intersectional coalition of victim groups, and the Palestinians are among the victim groups. The Jews can no longer be among the victim groups because now the Jews are the victimizers, and therefore everything that happens in Israel doesn't matter if it's self-defense, doesn't matter if it's Israel just protecting its borders. Everything has to be Israel's fault. And the media are going to continue to parrot these lies. This is why it is incumbent on everyone to go out and do their own research, take a look at the tape. You'll see what you'll see. Just a few minutes ago, the Palestinians blew up their own gas depot. They just blew up their own gas depot because they wanted to demonstrate that Israel was brutal. They blew up, the, the Palestinians, under the guise of Hamas, the Palestinians blew up a border crossing that was the number one border crossing for shipping food into Gaza. And then they complain about the lack of food in Gaza. 
Okay, all of this is produced for the cameras and the Western media make it more likely that Palestinians will die when they push this stuff. It's just, honestly, it's just terrible. It means more Palestinians will die. It means more civilians will die. It means that more Palestinians will believe that extremism and violence are a way to convince the Western media to pressure Israel. The media are are really complicit in something quite horrible here. It really is. It really is just awful. Okay, so in just a second, I want to talk about the situation in Seattle where apparently Seattle has passed what they call their head tax. But first, you're going to have to go over to dailywire.com and subscribe. So first, let me note that the tickets that are supposed to be on sale right now for the Ben Shapiro live events, that website is down for the moment. We are fixing it. We're on top of it. But subscribers, you should subscribe anyway, and you should grab that promo code because you have from now all the way until the 17th at 10 o'clock at night to get that exclusive deal where you can buy tickets to our live events. Plus, If you are a subscriber, you get to take part in the conversation where you get to ask questions to the execrable Michael Knowles. That episode is today at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Pacific. Join me, Michael Knowles, and Alicia Krause on Tuesday, May 15th at 5.30 Eastern, 2.30 Pacific for a new episode of The Conversation. It'll be on Facebook and YouTube for everyone to watch, but only Daily Wire subscribers can ask questions like these. Is Hillary really your cousin? I I love that this is true. Do you think history will ever be honest looking back on Obama's legacy? Yes, but not anytime soon. If the White House offered you a choice to spend the day with one of the Trumps, who would it be and why? (laughs) I'm going to say (laughs) that's the safe answer. Was it Melania or Ivanka? Well, what is your whiskey or bourbon of choice? I prefer or, uh, scotch whiskey. It's my favorite kind of whiskey. But again, that's that's only for breakfast. So Evan is asking, where do you get your dresses? <laughs> yeah. Subscribe to dailywire.com to ask questions and join the conversation on May 15th. I'll see you then. Oh, God. So if you want to spend time with that, then go over and check it out at dailywire.com and subscribe. You can ask questions to Michael Knowles. Also, you can be part of our mailbag, which is happening on Friday. But the biggest thing, of course, is that if you subscribe right now, then you get early access to our events in Dallas and Phoenix. We're going to be adding new events to the calendar as well. And subscribers are going to have access to those events early, too. That's one of the magical benefits of becoming a subscriber. The annual subscription is $99 a year, not $9.99 a month. You get this as well, the Leftist Tears Hot or Cold Tumblr. It is fantastic. If you just want to listen later, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, subscribe. Leave us a review. We always have great stuff coming out. We are the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast in the nation. All righty. So meanwhile, Seattle has decided that a great job, a great, a great idea would be to put a head tax on the major, on the biggest company in their city. So I used to do a radio show in Seattle specifically uh, for KTTH in Seattle, which is also a station that carries the show. And, uh, and KTTH, uh, one of the things that we did is we did a debate with Shama Sawant. Shama Sawant is a city councilwoman for Seattle. She's an open socialist. She's a person who actually said that the Boeing plant should be taken over Okay, and the Boeing plan should make civilian airliners. They should take everything that was being made for the military and convert it to civilian airliners, I believe is what she said about Boeing. Uh, She is a a kind of crazy person. I did a debate with her about minimum wage. She was the leader of the $15 minimum wage campaign. She was also the leader of this concept. She wanted a head tax on Amazon. The head tax on Amazon would establish a tax of $275 per employee per year on companies with more than $20 million in annual revenue in the city, which means basically Starbucks and Amazon.com, right? I mean, those are, those are the only two companies that make more than $20 million in, in Seattle. At least there are very few. The tax passed on Monday. It's supposed to raise $50 million annually to fight the homelessness crisis. Under the amended tax, Amazon will be on the hook for about $11 million annually rather than the $20 million that the original proposal would have levied. Here was Shama Sawant trying to push the head tax. We're talking about taxing either the five 
or the 10% or somewhere in that range of the largest businesses in Seattle. So these are not your mom and pop stores, your local coffee shops, immigrant owned stores. We're talking about the Amazons, the Facebooks, the Macy's, the Nordstrom's, the really top tier corporations that are making historic profits and making profits for their billionaire shareholders. So we're saying if you take a small amount of those corporations profits and you raise about $150 million every year, you could build up to 750 permanently affordable units. We know the market has not solved the problem. We need to do something, but I'm absolutely opposed to small businesses paying any tax. Okay, so small businesses shouldn't pay taxes according to Shama Salon, but all of the large businesses should pay all the taxes. Microsoft, by the way, of course, is also located in Seattle. Okay, so here is the problem. The idea here is that all this money is gonna be tossed into affordable housing. I know something about Seattle. Seattle's problem with the homeless has nothing to do with the fact that Amazon is located in Seattle. So yes, there are more people who are working in Seattle. This means that there is more upward pressure on the prices for rent and for homeowning in Seattle. But you know what that would normally generate? A lot of building, would it not? Right? It would normally generate a lot of developers building things, you know, like building new units so they can take advantage of the booming economy in Seattle. And the fact that Seattle is now a population magnet, one of the few population magnets in a, in a leftist state. Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be logical? Well, there's one problem. The city council has also barred developers from building new stuff. So that means there are no new units, and so the rents are going up. It turns out that when there is high demand and low supply, the prices are high. Also, Seattle, in an attempt to not get rid of those regulations, in an attempt to avoid those regulations, Seattle has allowed tent cities to crop up all around the city. Just as in San Francisco, if you walk around Seattle now, you will see ginormous tent cities located on, uh, under freeway underpasses. On, on, there, there was a situation a few years back where a guy who was homeless fell off a freeway overpass okay, onto the freeway. All of this stuff has been happening because Seattle has stupid regulations with regard to housing. And they also have regulations with regard to affordable housing that don't actually put restrictions on the people who can come into the affordable housing. So they have something called the drunk dorms in Seattle where people go there and they're still using drugs. They're still drunk. They wreck the place and then they leave. And Seattle has created these enormous tent cities. They've changed regulations in Seattle so that they can allow these tent cities to crop up in residential areas. And of course, people who live in residential areas aren't super happy about the idea of having a tent city full of homeless people where disease can easily spread in areas where they live. But the Seattle City Council, because they're liberal, because they're so kind-hearted, they've decided it's not important to allow developers to build more units. No, not that. Instead, we are going to tax the hell out of Amazon. Now, what's amazing is that you see tech workers actually protesting this because they understand that it's quite possible that if these taxes continue to rise, companies like Amazon, companies like Microsoft, if they have to open a new outlet, if they have to open a new building, they're not going to do it in Seattle. They're going to move out. They're going to find someplace else that's not going to tax them $275 an employee. So this, was a, this is really funny. There are a bunch of city council members speaking about the head tax, and a bunch of tech workers were out there actually yelling at them, no head tax. No head tax! No head tax! No head tax! No head tax! I mean, look at these guys. These are all blue-collar guys wearing actual hard hats. Okay, and that is not a bunch of staged nonsense. These are a bunch of people who understand that these businesses are going to locate elsewhere. It's always amazing that there are so many folks on the left who are unwilling to see the unintended consequences of their, of their economic actions. So they say, listen, we have to be so sympathetic to the homeless. We have to, we have to let them sleep on the streets. We do, we have to let them sleep on the streets. So what happens? Homeless people from other places come and sleep on the streets of Seattle, and then the homeless population grows. They say, you know what? We have to be sympathetic. What we really should do is we should allow them to bring tents. We should allow them to build tents. We'll build tents, and then we'll bring resources to bear to help them out. And what happens? The population swells, and now you have thousands of people on the streets of Seattle living in tents. And they say, you know what, probably all these people are here, not because there's a severe 
mental illness issue with a lot of folks who are homeless, not that there's a severe drug issue with a lot of folks that are homeless. They're here because they could, they used to work at Amazon and now they're unemployed and they can't get a house. It must be the affordable housing crisis. Now, we don't want to let people build new developments because that would just spoil our water line. I mean, that, that, would, spoil, that would spoil the skyline of Seattle if we were to have new developments being built. We can't do that. We certainly can't do that. But what we can do is we can take the businesses that we do have and we can really tax them to build affordable housing. So they build more affordable housing, and what happens? A bunch more homeless people show up to take advantage of the affordable housing, and the businesses leave because now the taxes are higher. This is how you clean out nice major cities. You take a major city that is booming economically, you slap a bunch of crappy left policy on top of it, and guess what happens? People leave. Businesses take off. In the state of California, they've been seeing this for years. When you raise taxes, businesses leave. When you create new regulations, businesses leave. And Listen, the climate in Seattle is nice like at least eight days a year, but that doesn't mean these companies are going to stay there for those eight days a year. They will move out. Just because they started in Seattle doesn't mean they aren't going to gradually move out. And, and you're seeing that. Boeing, for example, which is located in the uh, Seattle-Tacoma area, Boeing has started building plants all over the country and other places where they are not going to be cracked down on by local governments. This is why you should not elect socialists to your local government, city of Seattle. And small businesses, if the idea is that this is going to benefit small businesses, having all the consumers leave, all the people who work at Amazon buy from small businesses, having all those consumers leave is not going to help the small businesses who are located in Seattle. But again, all that matters is the intention. And the people in Seattle city government, they feel so good about themselves. They feel so nice about themselves. The reason I talk about Seattle is because the left likes to use these sort of economic policies writ large. They're always stupid. They're always counterproductive. And that's exactly what's going to happen here. It's going to be stupid and it's going to be counterproductive. Okay, meanwhile, President Trump is very, very angry about leaking. So as we discussed yesterday, there's a serious problem inside the White House with people leaking to media outlets outside the White House. And part of that is because the media are so on top of everything that's happening in this White House. They, they love the rumors. They love the chaos. It is their favorite narrative. But over the past couple of days, there was a leak that really hurt the administration where a relatively mid-level staffer said in a meeting, her name is Sadler, she, uh, she said in a meeting that we, they didn't have to worry about John McCain's vote on Gina Haspel, the CIA nominee, because McCain was going to die soon anyway. They should have just come out and finished the story. They should have just said, listen, sorry, never should have said it. It was, it was a bad joke made in a, made in a bad moment. Instead, they didn't. And so this story continues now into day seven, which is really a waste of time. But Donald Trump has tweeted out, quote, the so-called leaks coming out of the White House are a massive over-exaggeration put out by the fake news media in order to make us look as bad as possible. With that being said, leakers are traitors and cowards, and we will find out who they are. Well, part of the problem for President Trump here is that when it comes to staffing of his administration, the chaos in the administration does start from the top. There's a lot of backbiting during the campaign, a lot of backbiting. People in the administration do not like each other. There are a lot of people in the administration who are at odds with one another. And they know that there's always an eager ear on the other end of the phone. One thing that you can say about George W. Bush and something else that you can say about Barack Obama, within their teams, they inspired a certain amount of unity and cohesiveness. If you talk to Dana Perino, who worked in the Bush White House, Everybody was basically on the same page. They understood that George W. Bush was the boss, and they understood that they were not going to be able to turn against each other and leak to the press all that often without Bush stepping in and doing something about it. The problem for President Trump is that President Trump actually likes the chaos. He's always liked the governance by chaos. He sort of sees his administration the same way the Joker sees staffing up his, his gang, right? He, he, Donald Trump's the kind of guy, President Trump's the kind of guy who likes to break a pool queue in half and, and toss it in front of three guys and then say, okay, I have room for one of you. 
And that, that's sort of how Trump has always operated. He's done this with a lot of his staffers for a very long time. What that's going to do is generate an incentive for people who are working under President Trump to leak bad stuff about other staffers and try and get them ousted on the basis of that. Now, what President Trump probably should do is he should take everybody in that room who is not a vital employee and fire them. He should probably fire everyone in that room because apparently, well, not many people in the room. I've talked to some people who are in that room. Apparently, not a lot of people in that room. So that means that you could probably fire people and get away with it. Okay, and not only that, you probably should fire people because you need to send the message to your own administration that leaks will not be tolerated and that this, then this, sort, of, this sort of attempt to take down the administration from the inside will not be tolerated either. Now, do I think that these are deep state holdovers? No. I think what this really is is a bunch of people who don't like each other and they see a warm ear in the media and they are more than happy to exploit that warm ear in the media. So again, I think that you know, President Trump should do a better job of, of staffing his administration, uh, and, and he should do a better job of cracking down on leakers, especially the ones who are working for the executive branch. He can't really control what's happening over at the FBI or the CIA too much, but he can control what is happening inside the White House for sure. Now, meanwhile, the Cannes Film Festival is going on. This is, of course, the place where everybody talks about movies that no one will ever see. And one of the big movies that's about to come out is a movie from Spike Lee, who has not made a good movie since Do the Right Thing. It's been quite a while since Spike Lee made anything relevant. Well, he's made an, a new movie. It's called Black KKK Klansman sure to be a massive hit at theaters. And apparently, the film is about race relations from the 1970s to present. And Spike Lee says the film was, quote, on the right side of history, a phrase that I absolutely despise. There is no right side of history. There is just right and wrong. History doesn't have a side. It's a bunch of stuff that happened. Spike Lee says about President Trump, that MFR was given a chance to say we are about love and not hate. And that MFR did not denounce the, M the MFing clan, the alt-right, and those Nazi MFRs. It was a defining moment. He could have said that to the world, that we were better than that. Black KKK Klansman is built is based on an incredible true story of black police detective Ron Stallworth, who infiltrated the KKK in the 1970s. And Variety has called the film as much a compelling black empowerment story as it is an electrifying commentary on the problems of African-American representation across more than a century of cinema. And uh, this is being hailed as a great movie. Maybe it is. Maybe it's really good. We will find out in, in very short order. Suffice it to say, Hollywood is not warming to President Trump in any serious way. If Spike Lee actually wanted to make things better, perhaps he should reach out to President Trump. Listen, I think criticism is warranted uh, about a lot of the things that President Trump has said. But I think at this point, your best move is to reach out to President Trump. He clearly wants to reach out to people of, on all sides. At the very least, you could be reaching out in exchange. Okay, time for some things I like and then a thing that I hate. So today's thing that I like. So I'm excited about this. This is really cool. So my dad, back in the early 90s, I was like eight years old, he wrote a musical about the Scarlet Pimpernel. The Scarlet Pimpernel is, of course, a very famous novel, classic novel, uh, about a British, uh, a British guy who tries to go to revolutionary France during the French Revolution and spirit away aristocrats to save them from the guillotine. There's a very bad musical version made by Frank Wildhorn. It is not good. It was panned by the New York Times for good reason. It's garbage. Uh, my dad wrote a musical version, the music and lyrics uh, for the Scarlet Pimpernel. The book was by a guy named Dave Waller, who's a good friend of my father's, uh, and the musical is really first rate. We put it up on YouTube and you can listen to the entire thing. The libretto is also available there. You can click on a link. It will take you to the full text so you can see what everybody is saying. Uh, and it really is a lot of fun. Here is what it sounds like. This is the beginning of the Scarlet Pimpernel. This is the scene in the in uh, the Revolutionary Square where, where aristocrats are being beheaded. And uh, the, the population, of course, is very excited about all of this. Our memory reminds us There's always more room for 
So if you like Les Mis, okay, then this is, I think, better than Les Mis. The music is, uh, is more uh, set to the time, uh, but it's, it's really good. The lyrics are really clever, uh, and you can check out the whole thing over at YouTube and read the entire libretto there. I remember when my dad was making this. It was really, really cool. Uh, it went to a festival in New York, and then the Wild Horde version came out at the same time as this, uh, and the Wild Horde version had a lot of money behind it. But uh, it is, it's a really, really good piece of work. It's an amazing piece of work, actually. So go check it out. The Scarlet Pimpernel by my father. Uh, and uh, you can check it out at YouTube and give it a listen. Okay, time for a quick thing that I hate. Okay, so the thing that I hate today, Stormy Daniels has been hailed as a heroine. She's a, she's a female empowerment legend, Stormy Daniels. She's just a wonderful, wonderful person who is standing up to the predations of evil, evil men. Well, it turns out that she has some problems of her own. So according to Tasha Rain, who is another uh, porn star, she tweeted out, quote, I was inappropriately groped and sexually harassed by one of the men on your crew November 15th, right before my BG scene, which you were then made aware of that day. You continued to allow him to stay on the set with no repercussion. I never questioned your directorial skills. So she says that she, can't, she couldn't believe that Stormy Daniels was talking about how she was always so good for women and you should stand up for yourself and you should report it. So it was very upsetting to see her speak there like that. And then I think, but I know the real you. I was there. I saw what you did. She said, it's tricky because I don't even like Stormy. I don't like her at all. She says, I was sexually assaulted by one of her crew members. He groped and grabbed me from behind. I spoke up immediately because I was in the moment and I was so proud of myself. She was the director that day. I went straight to her and straight to the man that did it. We had a conversation about it. I went to the owner of Wicked Pictures. I did all the right things. And she did not handle the situation appropriately, respectfully, or professionally. So it's a little bit outrageous when I hear her say things about how she is standing up for women and wants to be a voice for other women to be able to come forward when I was assaulted on her set. And she didn't give me any care or attention and didn't even send that man home. Apparently, this happened November 15th of last year. Okay, so this is pretty recent. She said, I'd always looked up to Stormy. I'd shot for her before, ran into her at conventions. We even traveled once to Seattle at the beginning of my career when I believe they were considering me for a contract girl position at Wicked. I know her, so I was stoked. Um, and she had some dialogue. And then she, uh, she says that Daniels was basically making fun of the Me Too movement in so many words, talking to the crew. She said, oh, I could be seen as Harvey Weinstein because I'm flirtatious with my crew members and I can be inappropriate. And apparently, uh, Rain uh, was uncomfortable, but she let it go. So... Uh, all of this suggests that Stormy Daniels may not, in fact, be the innocent, decent human being that we all thought she was. I can't believe it. I am so shocked. I am so shocked. Again, does any of this justify President Trump's behavior? No. But before the media start slapping a, slapping a crown on this lady, slapping a, a, hedra, a, a, nun's, a nun's habit on this woman and declaring that she's a saint, they might want to take a look at her history. Uh, and uh, Tasha Rain speaking up and saying, well, yeah, Stormy Daniels, not such a great person. Okay, so we'll be back here tomorrow with all of the latest. I'm sure that there will be lots more horrible reports from the media about what's going on in Israel. We'll have to debunk all of them. And we will be, up, we will be back there then. I am Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Mathis Glover, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Caromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.
We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 